Ion 2020, episode 149. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you the news, the related events, the things that are going on in the 2020 election. This is your pre-debate show that is right it's tuesday and the debates are going to be this evening so i always do a pre-debate show for these debates and i'll be doing it for the next debate and the debates after that as well uh just going over the candidates and letting you guys know what they're thinking what the fallout has been since the last debate as well and then uh we'll go ahead and move on from that and then tomorrow you'll have that debate show for the tuesday night debates as well as uh thursday you'll have the debate show from the Wednesday night debates. And on Friday, I'll do a wrap-up of the week. And the reason why I do that is because there's a lot of things that are going to be said after the debates that, you know, I do that show almost immediately after the debates are over with. And I don't really watch the news and see what the pundits are saying. I just give you my unabridged opinion on what I saw and what I thought about the, the, the particular debates. And then at that point... Throughout the next couple of days, I'll be watching the shows and seeing, you know, watching the different TV shows and wa- listening to the pundits and just seeing what they're all saying. And then also how the the news media frames it. Because a lot of times the news media frames all this stuff way differently than I would have framed it. For example, the whole Kamala Harris-Joe Biden thing. I noticed that and I mentioned it on the show, but I also didn't really think that it was too huge of a deal. I thought that Joe Biden typically you know, had a pretty good performance overall, except for the fact that he just kept on stopping mid-sentence and just, you know, giving giving way to the moderators and so forth, which a lot of the other candidates would not do. He was just trying to be courteous and not rude. Well, this particular debate, supposedly, he's not going to be so courteous this time. He's going to come out with some gloves on and start punching hard, especially when somebody attacks him like what Kamala Harris did. So anyway, that's the that's the rest of the week how I'm going to wrap, how I'm going to do this. But this is your pre-debate show, and I appreciate all those that continue to listen to my show every single day. I've been doing it since January, and I continue to do it until the election comes in November 2020. Beyond that, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do something as well. Uh, we shall see. I haven't really decided how I'm going to format the show after that. Maybe cover some news and politics that are going on across the nation, and also covering some libertarian topics as well. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Man, I'm telling you, something's going on with the air, so excuse my voice, excuse my sniffing, possibly, hopefully you don't hear too much of that, but the pollen in the air right now has got to be terrible, because I'm starting to get just a lot of drainage and uh, a lot of coughing. If you listen to my earlier shows during the spring, for some reason I am affected by the uh, the pollen pretty bad up in the southeast, and uh, pollen's terrible in the southeast anyway. <clears throat> it's really just uh, just destroys your just just destroys your nasal nasal passages, man. I'm telling you, 
uh, and you got to take some Zyrtec or something pretty reg regularly. I don't even know what Zyrtec is it, but one of those uh, allergy medications, I got to take it, one of those 24-hour medications pretty often just to keep myself from having that. And just today I woke up and it was just, you know, bad. My son was having the same problem as well. Maybe it was uh, some leftover from Florida. I'm not sure, but because uh, usually in the fall is not too bad or you know end of the summer isn't so bad I guess it's the middle of the summer now uh, but anyway guys I do appreciate you joining me for the show go ahead if you can subscribe to the show you'll be here the shows tomorrow if you're first time listening if you have not subscribed to the show yeah go ahead and do that but if you had subscribed to the show in the past go back into your podcatcher and give me that five star rating and review Five-star rings are really helpful just for the fact that it helps people when they're searching for Libertarian Podcasts. They'll see this show, they'll see that it's highly rated, and they will go ahead and click and subscribe. So everyone's always looking for better content to listen to. Hopefully I've been putting out some good content for you. It seems like my listenership continues to rise, so I must be putting out some decent content for you guys on a regular basis, and I'll continue to do that as well. So um, listen to some of my earlier episodes, I mean... That's a challenge, but if you want to go back and check out some of the episodes that I've done, you can do that as well. Look back, and I mean, I have 148 podcasts previous to this one, and I'll continue to move forward as well. Uh, but let me go ahead and just jump into the show, okay? One thing uh, that's going to be different during this particular debate is every person that's on the debate stage is going to be the same people except for Steve Bullock. He's replacing some unknown congressperson that's from out in the San Francisco area. And uh, that particular gentleman dropped out. I cannot think of his name right now. But Steve Bullock has gone ahead and uh, he's the Montana governor. And he's gone ahead and jumped into the race. Now, I'm going to go through the candidates based upon what day they're going to be on the show, be on the debate stage. It's going to be July 30th. That's going to be tonight. You're going to have Steve Bullock, Pete Buttigieg, Delaney, Hickenlooper, Klobuchar, O'Rourke, Ryan, Sanders, Warren, and Williamson, okay? So let me go through each of these candidates really quickly, and then we will, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you a little bit about them. So Steve Bullock, he is the, he's basic, he's the governor of Montana, and the basically the way that he's going to market right now, it seems to me, is that he's going to be a guy that says that he can bring Republicans to the table that are going to vote for him. He's going to bring the independents to the table that will vote for him. And I mean, he looks like all the Wild West type person, you know. Looks like he might even carry a open carry walking around the state. Like he sounds the, sounds the part to be somebody from Montana if you listen to him. And I think that he, maybe if he can resonate with people, he can have a good shot. But I honestly don't think that any of these lower tier candidates are going to be helped out at all all right that's that's my feeling about that but <clears throat> what he's trying to do is run as the person that's going to be able to bring republicans to the table because he was able to win in the state with as a democrat in a state where donald trump got like you know 75 percent of the vote and he still won so that's that's basically what he's trying to say is that that's that's why he's going to be the best candidate to choose and i think that's the case that he's going to try to make pete Buttigieg, you know how i feel about him he is raising the crap out of some money right now and he's just been yeah, that's what he's good at, it sounds like to me. He has the right people on his side. He has people that supported Obama. He has the people that supported Hillary. 
that are those money people, that are the bundlers. He has a message that's kind of like in between Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, and he's trying to take the middle ground. He doesn't do very well on Twitter attacking you know, Donald Trump, it doesn't sound like to me. When I'm listening to him talk, it's just he's he he he's well versed, he's well rehearsed, he knows his stuff. He needs to he would need to be able to resonate with the people. And I think that on a one on one stage, when he's just talking not on one on one, but just him talking to an audience, I think that his message would resonate because he does have a little bit of charisma to him. I don't know that he stands out on that stage during the debates, though. I just haven't seen that. He kind of hovers around 7%. But that's Pete Buttigieg. John Delaney, I talked about him yesterday. He recently put together a proposal that says that he wants to make mandatory national service. A, you know, something that a, a bill that'll make it so that it's mandatory that everyone does some type of national service. He's also trying to run on that moderate ground also. Somewhere like a a Joe Biden type. And that's the that's the road that he's going down. Um, he's not going to do well. Honestly, he's a he's a rep, from the House of Representatives from Maryland, right? Sixth district. Uh, but he did raise a ton of money. He was the first person to announce. So he raised a ton of money. He doesn't get a lot of time on that debate stage. He's just some guy that's trying to get a little bit of talking time and so forth. But uh, he has money behind him. I mean, he raised a ton of money. So we'll see how that helps him out. But he's not going to get too far unless he really is able to go on the attack and win on this debate stage tonight. Other than that, he'll be out of there. John Hickenlooper, he is the uh, governor from from Colorado. And Hickenlooper, he calls himself the extreme moderate. That's kind of the way that he's going, right? And he says that, like, the way that he went to market on the last debate, and he'll have to change this up a little bit, is that because it doesn't resonate when there's a group of 10 people up there. If it was, like, two or three people up there and they were getting more time, then they'd be able to really highlight what they've done in their state in order to become, you know, make the state a better place. But you have one-minute sound bites, man. This is a one-minute soundbite type debate. You need to be able to make impact immediately and take control from the moderators. But John Hickenlooper, what he was trying to do is highlight what he's done in the state of Colorado. And that is just hard. It's hard to resonate with the voter based upon that. They want to see, you know, punches and blood, basically. I mean, why do people, why would people watch boxing? Why do people watch um, MMA fighting? Because they want to see people get knocked out, man. That's what they, that's the only reason why they're watching the debates as well. So you can't go with a rational approach in that situation. And that's what John Hickenlooper is going to do. Or that's what he did last time. So they have to change it up a little bit. Amy Klobuchar, she is the the U.S. Senator from Minnesota. And she is taking sort of a moderate approach as well. She's in a state that's very, uh, they're a swing state, Minnesota is. So they tend to vote for Democrats and Republicans. But, you know, it's a blue-collar worker state type place as well, is what they say. Industrial manufacturing and so forth. Uh, she really is just trying to take that moderate approach. She did not get too much time on the debate stage last time as well. Like she didn't get too much talking time, but she has some, some answers that, that 
a Democrat would want to hear, but I don't think that she resonated very well. I mean, it did not help her out by doing these debates last time, so she really needs to make an impact this time as well if she wants to continue on past this particular round of debates because the standards are going to be higher next time. 135,000 individual donors with 2% of the vote as well. Uh, I just don't see that she's going to make it unless she's able to really take off her gloves and you know, start hitting, man. People want to see blood. People want to see blood. That's what. That's the way it's going to be. The next person that's going to be on the debate stage with Klobuchar, Beto O'Rourke, he is a sinking ship. He does not seem like he, you know, has a lot of answers to situ like problems. He does not seem like he has well thought out positions on things. He seems sometimes like he's just kind of like going with what the common democrat like what he thinks democrats would say pretty much like in every situation he's the furthest left as he could possibly be it sounds like to me uh he's completely for just open borders whatsoever and I, that's i don't know that they even resonates with most democrat candidates but we shall see where he stands he was very popular coming in maybe he could draw some of those people back but he's a sinking ship he went from like you know 15 percent down to two percent and that's just because He's not polished. He doesn't seem like he cares too much. He seems like he's just kind of being told what to say when he's up there and when he's talking to people. I mean, I was listening to him on some of the Sunday shows, and he just seems like he's just, this is what they told me to say, so I say it, you know? Uh, reading from a script, essentially, and that doesn't work out very well. All right, the next person you're going to see on the debate stage tonight in the Tuesday night debate is going to be Tim Ryan. He is the U.S. representative from the uh, Ohio's 13th district. From what I've seen about him, he seems like he's trying to kind of toe the middle as toe the middle road as well. In some ways, uh, he's not real. I mean, he has like the whole idea of you know fighting for the real issues that people are facing in our country and all that stuff. And he's like, you know from Ohio, which is an industrial state, is what they say. So I mean, we'll see how he really does, but. He's not really getting any traction either. He's, I mean, these people are just Congress people, and they're not really known nationwide, so they really have to put the time in to get out there and talk to these people. It really comes down to who's going to put the time in in, like, a state like Iowa or New Hampshire in order to get people to vote, and especially, like, South Carolina as well, because uh, those are going to be the early primary states, and if you win Ohio or New Hampshire, then you're able to have some kind of name recognition nationwide as well. So we'll see. I just don't think that he's probably not going to be on the debate stage the next round either, is what I've seen. So the next person on the debate stage is going to be Bernie Sanders, and we all know him, and we all love him, right? He is the nice old guy that is out there fighting for the little man, fighting for the little man. Uh, he is kind of the leader of this whole social, social democratic, socialist, de democratic socialist movement that's going on. He started this thing in 2016 and has really pushed, pushed further you know, gotten a lot of people feeling excited about the idea of socialism in America. And you guys know how I feel about that. I'm a libertarian, you know. Uh, he scares me in the sense that he's able to get a movement going that seems to me that it's stronger than even Ron Paul's movement of 20, you know, the 20, 2008 and 2012. Ron Paul was able to get a lot of people on board with libertarianism. But that's an intellectual... Libertarianism is sort of like an intellectual movement... Whereas a lot of these kids that are socialists, that are believing the socialist, social democratic thing, they're just on board with it. I would say a vast majority of them are just on board for it. 
because it's going to give them free college education and it's going to forgive their debts and they're going to get free stuff. I mean, you could pander votes left and right when it comes to young people because that's they don't understand the way the economy works as well. So they all jump on board with him because he's doing these feel-good things and we're going to stick it to the man, we're going to stick it to the rich people, we're going to stick it to the wealthy. And that's when you know exactly what Bernie Sanders is going to say on the debate stage tonight. He said it on the last debates. He said it in the debates during 2016 when he was debating Hillary. It's always the same. And you know what it is. The top 1%, the one, top 0.1% of the 1% make more money than 50% of the people in America. And in America, it should not be that way. And da 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 da, right? I mean, it, it's, un, it's not just at all. So that's what he's going to say. And then Warren is kind of like, she's going to be on the debate stage as well. And she is just like Sanders. She is uh, just as far left as Sanders. She's trying to fight Bernie Sanders on this far left idea. But she is the person that has really framed herself as Warren has a plan for that. Right? And she has these well thought out, supposedly well thought out plans for every single every single thing. She directs you to her website on it. And uh, she'll probably make a good presence on the stage one of two things has to happen. Sanders has to get out or Warren has to get out because they're dividing the vote on the socialist movement. I can tell you that much. And if they really want to make an impact as much as they say they do, then they're going to have to pretty much uh, part ways. One of them is going to have to. I think Sanders actually might throw his support behind Warren because she's just as good as him on those issues, per se, and he might say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and crown her the queen because we need a female president, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that might happen. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just speculating here. Williamson, Marianne Williamson, she is the self-help guru. She seemed a little bit crazy on the stage last time, but afterwards, man, Republicans loved her. She said some things that were kind of, uh, you know, the government... I mean, there was actually one thing that she even said that was kind of like libertarian-ish even in saying that, if the if the if normal people can't do it, then the government shouldn't be able to do it either. And people s- jumped on that, like, "Oh my gosh, is she libertarian?" No, she's not libertarian. She thinks the government should do a lot of things, including steal from your paycheck, and su- in- including confiscate your wealth, because she thinks that what she knows is better than everybody else, and that you know she has the answers to problems, and she could use the government force to make it happen. Just like any other of these uh, people that are on stage, they feel like the government has the ability to change and solve problems by confiscating wealth from other people and redistributing it to others as well, and making laws and so forth. So yeah, she's a self-help guru. Um, she actually might make the second or the third round of debates because she has a lot of people that follow her. I mean, they love this lady. Her followers are, you know, they just love her. So we'll see see how she does on the debate stage. To me, she sounded a little bit crazy. She was always off topic in the last debate. Maybe she'll be a little bit well, more well prepared this particular debate. Who knows? It'll be interesting to watch. That's the first night of debates. The next night, that'll be tomorrow night. We're gonna or not tomorrow night? Sorry, that will be um, yeah Wednesday night. Tomorrow night, she will. We'll have July thirty first. You're gonna have Andrew Yang, the Yang Gang, baby, the Yang Gang. That's right. He is the one that wants to have everyone get a $1,000 per month check called the Freedom Dividend from the United States government. 
I was listening to an interview that he did on Fox News Sunday, and it's actually where he has it set up where he thinks it would be an opt-in program. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make it an opt-in program. So if you already receive benefits from the federal government, you can opt out of those and opt into the $1,000 a month, but then you get, then you cannot apply for any other things from the government as well. In that situation, I would say this. I, I, as a libertarian, I don't believe that the government should be giving handouts, and I don't believe that the government should be doing any of that stuff, right? I don't believe that the government should be a welfare state or anything, so let me preface it by that. But in that situation, it's a better plan to just give those people $1,000 a month, and then you have a set price that you're going to give everyone $1,000 a month, rather than the situation that you're in now where there's just all kinds of welfare benefits and this and that. But then again, I'm not for the freedom dividend because the reality is it's $1,000 per month to every single person in America and it has to be conf- that wealth has to be confiscated from somewhere else or borrowed from somewhere else and even or in order to even pay that $1,000 per month from other people, you know, to other people. So, yeah, it's a terrible idea and I I've, I've done a lot of looking into Andrew Yang, because I just, he he seems like he's slightly different than the rest of these people, he's not just preaching all the message of, uh, of, you know, give this out and give that out and so forth, he's always just talking about the thousand dollars a month of his freedom dividend, but he also, he's a, he's a socialist in his views, he agrees with, he said it on this interview, he agrees with the people on that stage on most issues, so, he'll probably, he, he will, his group of the Yang Gang, they support him. He has a lot of followers. He'll probably, possibly get on that debate stage for the next round of debates as well, but we'll see. Jay Inslee is the next uh, person that will be on that debate stage as well. And he, he's the governor of Washington State, and his entire focus is basically on the environment. He's an environmental activist. That's what he's trying to make the center point of his campaign is that all other stuff is of minor importance compared to the fact that we need to fix the federal or fix the environment across the world, even. So he wants to fix the environment in America. He says that you know global warming is going to destroy the world, and it's the primary thing that the world, like the entire world, needs to focus on, and that he's the guy that can unite America and unite the world on this particular issue. He also has a lot of socialist views on things, but the main thing that he's trying to focus in on is the environment. Uh, that, that, that might resonate with people, who knows, but he did not seem like he got any traction on the debate stages last time, so we'll see how that helps him out. Kamala Harris, she is the prosecutor and the senator now from uh, California, and she is the one that went after Joe Biden during the last debate. Uh, we'll see how she goes after him this debate, but the last debate she went after him and said that, you know, he was not a supporter of federal mandated busing to busing of African American students into white neighborhoods, and the lo- and making the local school districts do it from the federal level. And actually, it turned out that she wasn't for that either. They both had the same exact views on this particular issue overall, and she, I mean, so she basically has flip-flopped on her view in order to say and call Joe Biden out on this particular issue. It actually flopped for her in the end. So she 
it looked really good after the debate. And for like a week, it seemed like she had just won on this issue. And then it turned out that she has the same exact view as Joe Biden. That the federal government should not be mandating to the local schools that they have to do it, but that they should do it and they should incentivize it or something like that. So anyway, that was interesting. But she is still doing well in the polls. She seems like she's, you know, she's still one of the top contenders. And if she has a good showing this particular debate, if she does well, she'll be, you know, she should stay in the next round of debates as well. And she, she might even end up getting the nomination. Who knows? She will be directly in between Joe Biden and uh, Cory Booker, I believe, is what they're saying as well. Next person on the debate stage will be Kirsten Gillibrand. Gillibrand, I'm sorry, Kirsten Gillibrand. I've been pronouncing it wrong the entire time. And she is the person that took over Hillary Clinton's seat as a U.S. Senator from New York whenever Hillary Clinton left and became the Secretary of State. And uh, I guess she was handpicked by... Hillary Clinton to take over, uh, you know she's looking at she's looked at as like the fun person on the campaign trail. She's out drinking beer with people and having fun. Uh, she do, she seems like she's a moderate in some ways on the stage, but she's also changed a lot of her views from when she was a congressperson and she took very moderate approach to governor governance when she was a congressperson. But once she became the senator, she started to move more to the left. And on the debate stage, she seems like she has some left-wing issues that she talks about, like Medicare for All and so forth. But she also tries to take the middle ground also. She hasn't really distinguished herself from, for herself from the rest of the group either, though. Not at all. I mean, she's one of those that she's probably not going to make the next debate next round of debates either they need to start you know getting rid of some of these people as well because all they're doing is uh taking up time <laughs> to be honest with you and uh not letting the other candidates get their message out there i guess i don't know but i guess it gives uh, donald trump more people to pick on who knows but we'll see but she's not really going to be going too much further i don't think unless she gets or has a really good showing tulsi gabbard libertarians love her because she is the anti-war candidate <clears throat> excuse me She's the anti-war candidate. Uh, she is a very much a Bernie Sanders socialist, though, on all of the domestic issues. Bernie Sanders is just as good on her as her on war. She's just decided to make it the center point of her campaign. Now, she's not anti-war. She's anti-foreign intervention. She's anti-regime um, change in some ways. But she's also, I mean, I've, I've heard Scott Horton say it on his show, like, she's not exactly anti-war across the board. Like, she's okay with the, the government going in and doing certain peacekeeping missions and things like that. She just doesn't think that they should be overthrowing dictatorships and sending uh, military in there for those reasons. So, but she's the best on war that there is. She actually makes it the point to talk about it during almost every chance she has on the debate stage. So that is a good place to be. But on the, you know, domestic issues, absolutely terrible. That's how I feel. Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York. Uh, he is, I think he takes the furthest left position on everything that he possibly can. And I wonder if the reason why he's doing it is because when he's on that debate stage, it's his time to talk and it's time to let people see that he's so far left and all that, right? But then he could easily move to the middle during you know, when he's going up against Donald Trump, right? We'll see where he goes. He's not going to be going anywhere else, though. I mean, he's going to be the mayor of New York. 
for a long time as long as he continues to run. So we'll see how. I mean, I just don't. He he won't be on the debate stage next time, I can tell you that. Uh, Julian Castro, he was like the HUD secretary under uh, under Barack Obama. He is the is a Hispanic candidate. He lives in Texas. And on the debate stage, they said that he had, a, like, a lot of people were searching him after the debates were over last round. Uh, we'll see if he does well. I don't know that he's going to be on the debate stage next time either, though. That's my feeling. But, I mean, he just... He, he doesn't have the name recognition that everyone else has. He actually looked more like your friendly, you know, your 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 Hispanic friend with a smile on stage. You know, like when I was watching him, I, I was just like, yeah, he, you know, he he's the guy that kind of knows some of the issues and all that, but he's not someone that you would elect. That doesn't seem like, you know, he didn't seem like an electable candidate to me. But, I mean, that that's just watching him talk. He seemed like somebody that might get a good spot on a cabinet position, which is, that's where he came from anyway, because he's well-versed, he knows his stuff. Cory Booker, man, I always thought that he would be one of the people that is going to become a top-tier contender in this Democratic nomination. And the reason why is because he really knows his stuff when he talks. He's very confident when he talks as well, and he has a lot of charisma behind him. But he hasn't taken off at all, and... I'm not sure why, it's just there's a packed field of people. There's a lot of people to choose from. Uh, and they're just not looking at him as that person. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's from New Jersey. He's just, he's just a very confident guy when he talks. And I mean, he, seems, he knows all the talking points very well. But maybe that's not what people are looking for nowadays. Who knows? Joe Biden, guys, he's going to be on the debate stage on, on Wednesday night as well. Uh, you guys know him. You guys love him. He's the you know old Grandpa Joe, and uh, he is the furthest. You know he's the most electable candidate. That's how he's running. I am the most electable candidate against Donald Trump. Put me against him, and I'll win. And the polls show it. He's up ten points on all of the other, like on Donald Trump. So if you take Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, throw them in a poll together, Biden wins by ten points nationally. In a lot of the state, in a lot of the states, it's the same way, right? So, and then if you look at any other candidate, they're at like 1% or 2% better than Donald Trump, so within the margin of error, and then a lot of the candidates, Donald Trump beats them. Joe Biden is the only one that can certainly say, if you put me against Donald Trump, I can beat him, look at the polls. And if you're looking for somebody that's going to beat Donald Trump, that's what we're looking for, right? Someone that can beat Donald Trump, that's what he'll say, I'm your guy, put me against him. And then the final person that will be on that stage is going to be Michael Bennett. And I was trying to figure out who on earth Michael Bennett is. I could not remember who he was. He's the U.S. Senator from Colorado that sounds like Ferris Bueller's friend when they were... I don't know if you remember the, sh the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but whenever the friend was calling up the school to get uh, the sister out of, out of school for the day, right... And the and your friend was pretending to be his father. He's like, Rooney, Rooney, this is me, Rooney. You better listen to me, right? Remember that guy? Well, that's exactly how Michael Bennett sounds when he talks. And it was the funniest thing. Every time he was on the debate stage and they gave him any time to talk, I couldn't stop thinking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's him in a nutshell. Can someone like that win? I can't even take him seriously. 
and I'm sure other people feel the same way also. Who knows? I did not see any memes about that yet, though, after the after that debate, but I doubt, I doubt a lot of people even paid attention to the debate, except for older people and uh, a few people that are really in tune to democratic politics are the ones that watch the debate. Probably none of you guys even watch the debate, to be honest with you. I have a lot of people that listen to this show, and I wonder if any of you guys even listen to the debate. I'm not sure. All I know is this. Every time a Democrat promises something, if you take a shot... So, I promise Medicare for all. I promise this. I promise that. If you take a shot of whiskey, you will be absolutely drunk out of your mind by the time this thing is done. Because all this thing is going to be is what... It's an auction of your money by the federal government, essentially. That's what this debate is going to be, is every every damn politician up there trying to do something to get you to vote for them. So they're going to be buying your buying votes, essentially. They're going to be pandering to the left. They're going to be pandering to every person they possibly can, giving out more and more free stuff. I guarantee you, Bernie Sanders comes out with more free stuff. Elizabeth Warren comes out with more free stuff. And if you, like I said, that's your drinking game for the, for the entire debate, both nights. You'll probably be way too hungover to watch the second night of debates if you take a shot of whiskey every time they promise something. And there will be a lot of promises. And I'm going to tell you all about those in the shows that they come up, okay? I always write down the promises that they came up with because it it's an auction, man. They are auctioning off your money. They're going to confiscate more and more of your wealth. That's their goal. Both the Republicans and the Democrats are the same way. So, uh, but I mean, you can see it from the budget. They they passed a, you know, three or four four and a half trillion dollar budget or something like that, and like one and a half trillion was going to the military to make to make Republicans happy. The Democrats got everything they ever wanted. They don't care about spending. They don't care about the money. They don't care about the national debt. All they care about is buying more and more votes. That's all they care about. All they care about is making sure that you keep them in power. So that's what these politicians will be doing tonight during the debate and tomorrow night during the debate. So keep an eye out on it, though. You can hear me tomorrow, though. I will give you the wrap-up from the first night of debates. All right, now come on back tomorrow and you'll have clearer vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales, or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.